Welcome to this podcast interview with Coach Raymond Nazon. Raymond is the creator of the Fat Loss Carnival and Feasting Method, and we're talking all about how to lose that stubborn belly fat and increase mental clarity. If you'd like to join my free Carnival Fat Loss group, the link is in the description. And if you love this interview, please give it a five-star review. So Raymond, as a master coach in the Steak and Butter Gang, how did you start the feasting and fasting priming method? Well, first of all, I had to figure it out. So the thing is, is I started off keto just like most people did. And uh, I was doing it for my pre-diabetes condition. And uh, according to the nurse, if I kept on going my route with my 44-inch waist, and being at about 250 pounds that with the diabetes, I could have instances of blindness and possible amputation later on down in life. And uh, he said that, you know, this is a progressive disease. It is something that will probably get to that point eventually. And I told him, you know, hey, is there anything that I can do to slow it down? And he said, yes, diet and exercise may play a part in it. I took him up on it and I was like, okay, well, you know, the first thing is you don't want to change your diet. You think yes. you're eating healthy already, you know, yeah. that whole thing, right? <laughs> so I said, I'll try exercise. Okay. So I did the exercise for seven months, seven months. I actually got up to the point where I could do um, six days a week. But uh, I gained a pound and I was larger than before. So that was rather interesting, right? So just and from doing like, exercise, and this is always what I preach as well, which is if we're talking about health and fat loss and just focusing on the exercise, you can see that you are still maintaining 250 pounds and you actually gained a pound. Yes. Which is amazing, right? Yeah. So it's like it counterintuitive to what we hear, right? Exactly. It didn't make me a rocket scientist to realize that that's not the way to do it. But but let, let, let's not be totally negative about exercise. I did gain endurance. I was able to, um, you know, kind of start to do a slow jog instead of the walks on the treadmill. Uh, I was lifting a little bit better. Uh, so, you know seven months, you kind of develop certain abilities. So that, that part was good. Yes. Now, fast forward a little bit. I was like, okay, it's kind of like, this is not working. So I said, well, let me look at the other aspect, diet. So I typed in in Google back then it wasn't as censored as it is now, but I typed in in Google how to reverse diabetes. And there was a lot of things that come up with low carb. And I started reading all these testimonials. And I'm like, and these were full diabetics that were saying that they reversed their diabetes. And I'm like, really? Oh, how come nobody ever told me that? I'm willing to give that a shot. And coincided with uh, my Orange Theory, they had a six-week challenge of lose, you know, uh, they always have this periodically. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to diet just for six weeks, keep everything else that the way I was. And within that six weeks, um, it's, I lost like 10 pounds, which is not a big deal, but you know, when you come seven months and you know, you, you gained a pound 
to yeah. me, that was a big deal, right? Yeah. So I'm like in six weeks, right? Yes. And I was like, okay, there's got to be something there. Yes, granted that maybe mostly water weight or whatever. So I still look large. It's not like it was like transforming all of a sudden. I've got these six back abs. No. But, you know, I was like, there's something there. So after the six weeks, of course, I fell off a little bit because, you know, I told myself six weeks, you know, once you tell yourself something and then you get off. But uh, the next time around, I decided to try it again. And I said to myself, um, I don't like these vegetables. That Pretty much I was doing meat and greens because I wanted it simple, right? Yes. I'm a simple-minded person. I did not want to go into, oh, you know, I could have a certain amount of nuts or whatever. And I'm like, look, let me make it as simple as possible. Meat and greens. So by January there was another challenge and I was like, I hate the greens. Can you live without the, that? And back then it was unheard of. I talked to friends. I talked to my nurse. They were like, no, please don't do this. You're going to kill yourself. I'm like, really? Uh, okay. You know, and I, I, I kind of took their words for it, but then, then I stumbled on uh, Joe, Char uh, Charlene Anderson, um, the bear, Owsley, all these people that's been doing it for a while. And I'm like, well, it wasn't bad for them. So, so they were doing the meat only zero carb carnival lifestyle. That's right. And I ran into Kelly Hogan. Yeah. And I love was Kelly. like, well, she's been doing that long. And yeah. I'm reading about their successes. Now, it wasn't really diabetes related. They didn't really talk about diabetes, but they talked about healing all these other things. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a shot. I did doing it all wrong, of course, you know, so I didn't add enough salt at the time. I didn't eat enough. So my energy crashed and I had a really bad uh, carnivore flu lasted a month. I mean, I was just like, felt like I was walking in molasses all the time. Really? Even from so transitioning slow. from low carb and you're eating meat and vegetable and you still had side effects from going full blown um, carnivore. Yes, I was really surprised about that myself because, you know, I saw the post about keto flu, but carnivore was the one that really, really did me in. Of course, I gave it up because I got scared. Uh, during that time, I even had a little bit of heart palpitation, just weird things going on. My nurse was like scaring the tar out of me. My LDL was skyrocketed. My doctor was threatening me with a statin you know, saying, hey, you are really wrecking your health. So, of course, I stopped, uh, stopped about five months or so, picked up a little bit into Dr. Jason Funk. So I started just doing a little bit of fasting. And then I saw the uh, Dr. Baker's Joe Rogan talk. Mm -hmm. And during that time, he actually challenged uh, N equals many uh, study and he said he needed some some people to go into this and log their food everything just do it for three months and uh, that was really the history right there I did three months strict try I told myself I was going to add something at the end of the three months like a little treat I was like I could do it with onions and garlic because I love onions and garlic yeah of course when I did that miserable I felt so miserable that I was like wait kind of clicked right yeah. does one little pleasure five minutes worth of pleasure worth three days because that's why it took me three days yes. of acid reflux and and just could not sleep i'm exactly the like, same exactly 
one taste and even it's not even five minutes because if you think about when you ingest food it literally takes less than a minute to chew to swallow it the taste is gone dopamine dopamine hit is gone but the but the result lasts even for me it's longer than three days and i always think about when i want something even a takeaway coffee when i want something with whole milk i just think what's going to be the side effects of that anxiety, bloating, et cetera, et cetera. I'm exactly the same. <laughs> I love how you think, because that's exactly how I think when I go out to eat, because they have Me certain too. spices in there. Yes. And I'm like, okay, I'm eating with my family. Is it worth for me to be laid out for five days? Well, not laid out. It's more like, I just don't feel like I do now for five yes. days. Yes. And so that's how I equate, oh, okay, I'll do this like once every couple months, every month or so like that. So I'm willing to do that sacrifice just to have this kindred, you know, thing with my family. But you're right. That's my thinking now. It's sad. But when I go out, that's automatically how I think. I'm the same. I try to keep it as basic as possible. Exactly what you said, even when you're doing low carb, meat and greens. I just try to, even with carnival, because I've been doing carnival for a year. I know that you've been doing it for nearly... Five years, is that right? Almost five years. Yeah, uh, next five month years? will be five years. Yes. Congratulations. How did you go in that three months with Dr. Baker's challenge? What results and what changes did you see from sticking with kind of what and what did you eat? Back then, when I was first starting the first round, uh, I was tearing up bacon mostly. But again, I didn't know about, you know, eating enough. And I noticed I was eating a lot less because, you know, meat is very satiating, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, of course, automatically, I thought if I want to lose weight, I should eat less, right? You know, so that yeah. was the mistake I did the first time around. The second time around, though, and I, I had cravings and stuff like that, fell into several cravings back then. I, I just couldn't hold on to it. But the second time around, I told myself, I don't care. I'm doing this challenge 100%. And I said, even if I have to eat meat all day long, and that was my concept in my head. And that's what I did. Even if I'm not hungry, I'm going to eat some kind of meat. And right. I made sure I did that. And that was my journey into the initial priming. Okay. What type of meat was it? Um, so I discovered ribeye around that time. Yeah. So, yeah. And I fell in love with it. I've never had a ribeye before in my life, but I stuck to ribeye. But the real reason I went into ribeye was uh, Joe and Charlene Anderson. They kept on talking about it, but I saw the price tag and I was like, mm. so it took me a while to actually be comfortable with that price tag. And eventually I was like, you know what? It's for my health. Or, you know, if I can't, if I can't justify the, the most cost for my health, I'm like, what am I doing? Right. Why am I doing this? So I did. And oh my gosh, uh, that's all I wanted to eat. Uh, so I always had the ribeyes and cheese on the side. And I'm not, so, I'm not agreement with cheese because yeah, cheese I was just going to ask about that around cheese, because that's a very sticking point around carnivore and dairy. Do you tolerate dairy? And what do you advise no, others? You don't? Okay. I, I do not, but it's not punishing enough for me to, because I get acne from it. That's what I get. I get skin breakouts, all that. But, you know, being a 50 year old man, married, two kids, acne doesn't really have a social stigma for me. 
Yeah. So of course I shouldn't say this because I'm kind of in the limelight every now and then. So <laughs> but it is me. Okay. I have my little vice, right? So but it's true. Like sometimes I actually classify the cheese as a cheat day. Uh like a yes. A, a treat, a treat. That's how I classify it because the main star of your plate is the ribeye, it's the meat, and then your little sprinkling on the side now and then is a bit of cheese to go with it. And boy, does that cheese taste good. <laughs> it does. And it helps me eat more meat. So I yeah. always have the cheese as a side dish. Actually, well, let me, let me rephrase that. So that includes if I decide to have pork or bacon, air, the, no matter what, the beef is the big part of the plate. How did you stumble across your priming, fasting, feasting method then? Yeah. So I studied Dr. Fung quite a bit and I was doing it on a low carb and uh, practicing stepping up my fasting. I used to be one of those guys who couldn't even do a 12 hour fast properly just for my blood work. It was so painful. So, which is unreal for me to go and roll doing alternate day fast or rolling 48s right and so comfortably i started stair stepping my way up into fasting and i noticed with carnivore i actually had a lot more like especially with ribeyes i just wasn't hungry for longer periods of time i noticed with chicken though two three hours later i feel a little peckish with ribeyes, it's like five, six hours later that I may feel a little peckish then. Yeah. Weird. I think a lot of people feel the same way. Um, and I'm always asking this question, what is it about beef? I mean, because I eat a lot of ground beef, not so much ribeyes, or here we, we call it a scotch filler in Australia. And mm. it's interesting because I hear this so much around eating the beef and why it's so satiating. Even after six hours, you're not hungry, but you're like, mm, I can eat. Yes, yes. But the best part I like about it is that mm, I can eat, which I found out that's actually suggestive. If you wait about 30 minutes, you notice that mm, I can eat kind of goes away. So now with your priming method, that's a two week period yes. where you are oversaturating your body with nutrients yes. so that you can go into the feasting and fasting stage. Is that correct? Yes. So the idea of this two weeks process is to literally get your body to push back on the nutrients you're getting where you're not enjoying these three meals anymore. Okay. And you automatically go to two meals because you just can't take it anymore. But that's great because before, you know, in keto diet, they tell you, okay, go to two meals, go to 18 hours or 16 hours. And you actually watching the clock for doing that. Yes. I know because I did that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was pretty hard. Um, but with this, it's like, I just don't want to have that third meal. I just can't, I just cannot. So your body's telling you, no, I rather fast. Not the other way around, not your mind telling your body what to do. Yeah, and that's a thing that we are hearing around. I mean, Dr. Anthony Chafee talks about it, other carnival experts talk about it in terms of not forced fasting. It's because you're eating so much in your meals, like one or two or three meals that you naturally therefore don't want to eat because you just can't. 
Exactly. Well, I like to call it is more like because fasting is not the correct word for what we're doing. It's more like a nourished fast, right? We're so well nourished that we just don't want to eat. And we just don't want to eat for long periods of time, but only because we are properly nourished. When it comes to being properly nourished, ultimately, how many meals should we be eating in a day or every other day? What's the structure look like? So what I've noticed from watching patterns is that it takes about, and it depends on the person, of course, the individual, you know, depends on how much calorie restrictions they've done in their lives. But typically my average I found, and that's why I came out with a two weeks part. I I've, I've literally tried this on like 700 people before. 700 I people? <laughs> yeah. Wow, uh, that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, there was a lot of failure along the way, so I can't say it was successful all along. But anyways, I found out that about uh, uh, right about one and a half weeks is that pushback point for the average. Okay. And then the last part, they really have to work at it. But that's the average. Now, there are some people that can't handle this three meals a day for a whole year, but they always undereat. So that's where I came up with the whole comfortably stuffed, not eating till you're full. Eating till you're full doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's all pleasure-based. You're mm-hmm. not eating like you're seriously eating for nourishment. Right. That- so there's a difference between I'm feeling full, I need to stop, and right. then is it force feeding yourself or is it like really pushing so that you just can't take that extra bite? Well, that's it. Uh, You can call it force feeding, but I wouldn't because you're still able to eat. Okay. Force feeding would be to the point where you're actually, you know, having to hack it out. Right. Yes. Yes. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about well before then. Now, here's the problem, though. There are some people that have ruined their signaling altogether and can push it to that point and still feel hungry, and yet their bodies revolt literally because there's no connection anymore between their body and mind. And we deal with a lot of these people with eating disorders in our challenge. Mm. And we actually... Uh, it, it's just surprising how well this works and it takes away their eating addiction. And this is from just eating beef or is it carnivore? No, all carnivore. The, oh, that's really good. Right. Including dairy. So because what we're trying to do and all spices, we're trying to make oh, it wow. as exciting as possible. So the first okay. three days, people feel like they're in heaven. They're like, oh my God, I get to eat this much. I've never had the permission to eat this much. I literally have had people say that. Yes. I can't believe I get this permission to feed myself. And I'm like, yes, please do. But then the fourth and fifth day starts rolling and they start realizing that this is not that much fun. Yes. It becomes work. And yeah. I tell them, you need to eat like it's your job. Okay. So you're eating three meals like it's your job. And I'm guessing that a lot of people are thinking in terms of this all out eating three meals a day, is there a weight gain? Is there weight loss? What happens with these 700 people that you've coached? Yes. So majority of them have weight gain. 
Yes. We're talking about, and I just had one that, uh, you know, I, I used to say the most I've seen is like 30 pounds, but uh, one member just beat that and made it 40 pounds. So I'll say 40 pounds now. So is that 40 pounds in two weeks? In two weeks. Wow. And let me tell you, the struggle is real. When you start gaining pounds like that, you really start thinking twice why are you doing this right it's like i've done i've tried to take this off all my life and i gained 40 pounds so but the other side of the story that she doesn't say well she does say she's like she feels so much better of course the discomfort of getting that weight and being you know heavier that's a discomfort but her moods are better her uh, constitution is better and she's finally able to finally get down to the two mad she had to extend her priming because she was not getting filled up with the three mats and those are the ones that are tricky mm. and the best that we can do as coaches is cheer them on look keep going keep going your body will let you know when it's done and it's not your body's fault because you've been massively calorie reducing or, you know, starving yourself your whole life. It feels like it's finally got something. And mm. when it realizes that it can finally eventually start fixing and rebuilding your body. That's exactly what you're saying. What I've noticed with, because I suffered from severe calorie restriction, eating disorders and all that kind of thing. And your body's very smart in terms of its signaling and it takes time to even recover and to heal without our brains thinking, I want to be a certain weight or I want to get to the weight loss. And it's a really, really, and it's easy to say it's a hard shift, but psychologically, how hard it is to let go. Because a lot of this carnival journey as well, it's not just what you eat, it's reframing how you think about yourself and your identity. It's just amazing in terms of, I guess the changes that everyone sees in their own way. Some people gain weight, some people lose weight. Once you finish the priming stage, then what happens from there? So that's where the road kind of forks out. And there are some people that can choose to go into the fasting. Typically, what we do is another two mad for like a whole seven days to make sure the priming stuck because two mad is kind of the stage where you're, you're, you should be at. You're comfortable as a carnivore and there's no thought behind it. Now, if you're starving, waiting for those two mads, then obviously you didn't prime well enough. And then afterwards, within the first month, I like to play, I like to insist on people playing with at least that first month, because then we go to a 23-1, water only. Now, this is a big thing that I didn't mention for the folks who do coffee and all that. I yes. tell them that they have to eat first, Yes. then they can have their coffee. And that's critical because most people can do their fasting, even two mads with a little bit of coffee, but without you take that out, there's no way. So is this truly what they're doing is, the, uh, uh, is a favor to themselves. They're doing all these hours of fasting, but really in the end, they're actually malnourishing themselves. They're yes. using the coffee as a hunger suppressant, which causes them to actually eat less than they're supposed to. 
Yes. And what do you think about the plant toxins in coffee? Because it is a plant. Do you think that we should ideally be having that or should we just be really strict carnivore? Or are you a bit easygoing because you like to make it pleasurable and fun? I, I do. So uh, really and honestly, so we always have to look at this. We have to have our mind patterns that there's a time and place for everything. When we're starting with carnivore, please don't just give up your coffee, right? At yeah. the same time, because you're going to be a miserable beast. Yeah. And But once you've got the carnivore solid and you're confident and you're about three months in, four months in, you want more challenges then. That's when the coffee comes in. But really and honestly, during the priming, I've had many people give up the coffee because their want for coffee after they were fully nourished was not there. In terms of your own experience now, Carnival for five years, what is your lifestyle and your benefits that you're getting from it? My personal for fasting, uh, just the clear-mindedness, sharper thinking, the grand energy, the wanting to connect with uh, you know, the present, I guess, if you want to call it that. And I'm not so much of a dopamine junkie anymore. So that's kind of nice. Uh, just seeking pleasure here and there. So I I've noticed the more I've been carnivore, the more I start developing other abilities that I can do that I never thought I could do before. So, you know, as you know, with the splits and, the, you know, just things I just never thought I should be doing or would yeah. do. Uh, the other thing is I've also noticed that I'm better off with no food and no water for long periods of time. It's just amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm a no salt carnivore, so I like my ribeye with no salt. So, you know, that whole thing, people saying that you have to have salt and you have to have water. Yeah. It doesn't play a role for me. It's a different body. That's what I'm saying. And it's just amazing that how much I've, I've, it, it just kind of shifted that way, if that makes sense. Is that something that you advanced to from doing carnivore for a while, taking out the salt and having less water? Is that right? I did. So uh, I don't know. You, you're, you're a year in, but you remembered yeah. before you probably enjoyed the spices. You actually really liked the spices. And then now you're probably mostly salt and you don't even really care for the spices at all. Have you uh, noticed that kind of? I, I actually didn't, I don't care that much for food, like to be honest, so that I never really used to cook. Uh, but like, you know, when I had onions and garlic and my background is Indian, so if I had that kind of food, yes, it tastes nice, uh, but I do love plain food. But I've oh. always been that type of person that likes simple meals because my problem was that I was always very bloated, extremely bloated, mm. um, and I didn't feel good after a meal. So typically now I feel really good when I'm just primarily if I'm eating ground beef, the 80-20, I still like to add salt because it just adds so much flavor. But it's funny, just like you said it, it seemed to me that it was overwhelming after a while. Scraping, okay. yes, I started oh, scraping yeah. the salt out of my meats and I started noticing I liked it less and less salty. But again, also the other side of it too, is I started liking my meat rarer and rarer as I went Right. Along. But it wasn't something I chose at all. Yeah. This is just what the evolution of 
this diet has gotten me to. And what does your family eat? Because you've got kids, you've got a wife. Standard American diet, unfortunately. Oh wow! So how do you now? This is the key question because a lot of carnivores, the whole family is not all carnivore or not even low carb. So how do you deal with that? Yes, and I actually was along cooking for them、uh, for the most part. Uh, just making their dishes, so most of the time I tried to just make sure it was meat heavy,、um, and I'd let my wife cook the vegetables. I, I, I at first I was cooking the vegetables and stuff like that, but after a while I was like I can't even cut up vegetables anymore or cook it. I just cannot bring myself to do it. <laughs> so, but I will always make them meat. Do you socialize and go out? Does that happen as well? And how do you deal with that? Because that's also a challenge on carnivore as well. Yeah, I do actually,、uh, and、uh, all my coworkers know I'm carnivore.、Uh, yeah. All my friends know I'm carnivore. I'm pretty vocal about it,、uh, kind of unashamed about it. But I have the results to back it up, so I don't mind being, you know, saying that. So it's like, oh yeah, we know you. We, we'll have to pick like a barbecue restaurant, and I was like, no, you don't. You can you can pick any vegan restaurant. I'm just gonna sit there. I'm not gonna eat. And I was like, I don't mind not eating. I'm fine. So, how do you feel that when you go to? Because this is like something that I feel as well. When you go to a restaurant, you're not hungry. Is that weird for you to sit there and not eat? Not at all. I had I had to get used to it. That was very interesting,、oh, actually. I、okay. remember the first time where we had like a big uh, uh, somebody invite us over at their place, and they had a whole dining room table set up. And I told them, "I'm not going to eat、uh, if that's okay with you." And they're like, "Oh no, no, that's fine." You know,、uh, we'll, we'll we'll just serve everybody else, and you know. So I had the conversation. People were surprised that I was not even hungry, but I didn't make a big deal of it. So when I didn't make a big deal of it, they didn't make a big deal of it. So it was kind of nice, you know. So it was very easy to dance around it. The biggest thing is eat first before you go. I've learned、yes. that. And that's that's a huge key thing, and on social, you know, it it, it depends because I've had some people that just don't want anybody to look at them or make it that that they they are they're funny because they're not eating. So I tell them, look, fill up your plate, make sure you have veg on there, play with the veg, eat a little bit of meat. Nobody will notice, and they never do. Let's say you decide you were fasting, carry around the plate. Nobody will notice that you're you've taken a bite or you have it. Just drink water. So the whole no, it's、time. actually really, really true. So even I do the same thing. If I go out and order, I'll just order a normal big breakfast or a normal plate, and it's got the potatoes, the hash browns, the stuff that are non-carnivore. But I just eat around the plate, and nobody notices. But you do have to be very strict. Don't touch the carbohydrates. Don't touch the sugar. So you do have to be very. You know, disciplined around that. But if you want to go out and be carnivore, it is actually quite easy because everyone just focusing on the conversation or focusing on themselves or what they're eating. The only thing is, if somebody wants to have a dessert, I used to love sugar. I'm like, oh please,、right. I almost don't want to be around sugar. Dessert's actually easy. Everybody always makes the excuse, "Oh, I'm on a diet," and that one always wins. I'm on a diet. They won't、okay. give you the pressure. They won't give you the pressure for it. My other clients as well, they will say that it's not that they're forcing you; that you still have that、um, feeling. Urge.、Mm -hmm. But it's not that you want something sweet; it's a trigger. So you know the environmental、right. triggers that one has, like for,、uh, for example, if you're feeling stressed, 
it's not the feeling yeah. I want anything sweet. It's those yes. memories that you've had of enjoying something or overeating something and the pleasure associated with it. So it's food triggers. I'm glad you said triggers. So environmental triggers, there's the empathetic trigger that you're going to get because you other people are enjoying this. So it's going to translate into you wanting this also. So you're absolutely correct. Now, the only way to fight that off is eat before you go. Yes. And then you're so stuffed that even those triggers will have no effect on you. Yeah. I've I've done this with people who have sugar addiction. They're they're unaffected if they are fully nourished. It's yes. crazy. No, I I've totally agree. I totally agree. Time. No, a lot of it is kind of the because you have to remember with food, there's emotions. Yes. Food was an emotional bind for me all my life. We celebrated food. We we had a special uh, occasion. Food. Every little step of the way, there was food involved. We celebrated whatever, doesn't matter what holiday, whatever, had something to do with not just food, though, some kind of sweets or some kind of high carbs. It was just given. So obviously, there's this emotional tie that we do have to realize that's going to be there. What I like to do is for me, actually, I don't have it at all. So that's the problem. I would tell people early on, look, treat yourself later on, but something non-food related. And then you can start that habit up and you can feel like you're changing that conversation in your mind. I don't need this sweet to tell me that I, I did a good job. I could go buy a set of wardrobes, for example, treat yes. myself. Yeah. I can... I can do something uh, crazy like be able to take a picture of myself and see myself as I am and love myself that way. So there's little tricks you can do that you can feel like is going in a positive direction instead of triggering it just with food. I think also as an extension of that, not just consuming things, but understanding if we create things, how that can elicit a dopamine response as well. And it's shifting your brain, again, shifting your brain around eating for nourishment, not just social or entertainment. And the same yes. way in our lives as humans, if we're meant to create as opposed to so much consumption as well. And there's so many pleasures around just, not from just eating food, but other things, which is, you know, our senses, smelling, um, feeling, all these different things yes. that we can get so much pleasure from that we need to explore as well, apart from food. I had to change all of that, as a matter of fact, because most of it was on food. My, my sense of smell, that was important for food, taste, all of that. So when food became nourishment for me, I had to replace all of that. So absolutely, you're dead on. So I guess you must be at the stage where you're really trying to learn yourself in a deep matter then. You've thought about it quite a bit, it sounds like. I think, uh, yeah, I, my problem is I overthink. I think <laughs> I, I love uh, improvement and growth mindset. I'm into minimalism now. So um, just you're because... So 
It's great. Oh, it's freeing. Uh, I'm actually yeah. moving overseas from Australia to Turkey uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of the year. So a lot of it is just selling stuff. And I'm quite minimal. I don't have that much stuff. But when you pare stuff down, as an example, with diet, extending that towards your other aspects of life, you realize how little things you need to have a freaking awesome life. As a matter of fact, it's kind of the other way around. Like if you have so much stuff, it may create so much noise that it kind of disturbs your presence as a carnivore for me. And I really don't like that. I was just discussing with, uh, with the coaches earlier how I would love probably test out a single day of silence uh, with just nothing, just going to a certain place and just do a silent retreat. And Because I'm ashamed to say, but all my life, I've never tried that. There's so much I don't know. And there's so many things that come out of my lips that I'm very surprised that I say sometimes. So for me, it's more about the forgiveness of what I say. How quickly can I actually forgive it and really dwell on it and say, oh, how can I do better a little bit later? Instead of trying to prevent it before it comes out, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. And human beings, are we just meant to be in the present moment, not thinking about present. the past, not thinking about the future, not thinking about when is our next meal? I'm hungry, I'm tired, I need this or that. And just being around people that we love, like as an example, your family, and having the energy and the mindset and the, the, the inner peace to be present and to enjoy them. And that's, and, and as you said, you like to keep things simple, as do I, because I think simplicity is just amazing. And it's the key to having a happy, joyful life, I think. I totally agree. And uh, I've, I mean, 15 years on, 50 years on the planet, I feel like uh, that that's where I like to be because otherwise I'm just caught up on always competing with somebody or caught up with, with all the noise that happens in my body. Cause I'm in so much pain back then when I was a carb eater that I had to have something to escape it. So I would go to those. I would either want to compete with somebody. I would either want to, want to, uh, drown myself in some kind of movies, Netflix, of course, food, you know, that was the thing that I did, you know, and I, I felt, I felt like I always had to have a hit along the way every time. And now as carnivore, I'm like, simple is best. I just rather just be, and that's the key word, right? I just want to be as present as I can be at this moment right now. For example, me talking to you, this yes. is my presence. Yes, absolutely. And I think the carnival lifestyle as an extension of the whole topic, it really promotes the minimalism, the simple living because you're eating quite simply and then how that affects your body and then your thoughts and everything. So it's a wonderful lifestyle. <laughs>
It is. It's it's quite a journey because it changes you even down to your spirit, at least for me, down to my spiritual level. I've never been so deep into the spiritual as I am now. It could be because of the fasting. <laughs> I won't say that. But anyways, it, it seems to all join together. It's true because when you're not distracted by what's the next meal, how much you have to cook, what you have to buy, prep, etc., your brain can start shifting its focus to other things that might be more important or less important because you can have a space to open up your mind for other things. Yes. And then you kind of find out this is the biggest thing with carnivore that I learned is that I can actually shape my destiny. I can choose how things turn out. I know that sounds strange. No, you know, it doesn't because like, you know why? Your energy changes. Your focus changes. You can actually understand what you want in life because you can think clearly and go for it. The thing that people stop in their, uh, what stops them from getting what they want is the fear and they don't take action. Just taking that one even millimeter step is the step to the right path to get to where you want. And as you said, when you started your carnivore journey, you did all these different things, you found your way and look at you now, what you're teaching, how you're helping so many hundreds, pe hundreds of people. I, I was going to say hundreds of thousands. It could get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to get there. But you have the space to help people, which is amazing. Yes. Well, the, the good thing is... For, for me, about the helping people, that was not actually my initial intention. Uh, it was a, it was a, when I had BNS who insisted that I was going to be a coach because he loved my story so much. And I told him, no, well, I'll go for the coaching for the Meet RX, but I'm not going to coach. Yeah. And he's like, come on, you got to do this. So it was kind of fortuitous. I wasn't planning any of this. I wasn't planning on meeting Bella. I wasn't planning on g getting on her social, doing all of this. It just kind of just happened. Yeah. And it was such a weird, I, I'm, I'm really in awe at all these, all these steps that happened. But I did say to myself, when I first started a carnivore journey, I was kind of frustrated out there because I was like, there is no how-to guide into doing the carnivore journey, what to expect week by week. And uh, I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I started thinking to myself, I wish there was one. And some, a thought in my head did say that if there's not one, you should create it. And of course that came about on the creation of this whole thing when I started coaching and I was like, oh, wow, I have access to all these people. Okay, well, let me test it out. <laughs> So. Exactly. And that's like what it is. It's just you you had that thought, you took some action and you got some results and then you just fine tuned it. And, you know, you've created what you have today, which is amazing. Yes. And what's what's actually the most difficult part is convincing people to prime, which is interesting because I never thought I could do it in a group setting. Mm. My issue was I love to help people out now, but one-on-one, -on -one, I was getting nowhere. What good is it if I affect or maybe affect? Sometimes they don't go through it all the way. And I've had a lot of that. 
And then all of a sudden I spent all this time and I'm not even getting a hundred percent carnivore. But in a group though, I I think I'm getting about 65% conversion here. So this is pretty good in that whole group, right? So we're talking about people who's like, you know, uh, never done carnivore. And all of a sudden they're choosing carnivore as a way of life. Now that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's great to get carnivores for like a month and all, but to me, that's not it. Mm. The idea is I want them to feel that transformation and feel like they can get this different body, this different way of thinking, just like what you were saying, this, this whole different being, I, I, I hate, I, 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 it's I don't true. Know I it's a whole this. different being. It's it's very true, it and it's very hard. Maybe to that's the way to be human. That's how it is to be human. <laughs> it's how it's a it's. A, I think Dr. Berry says that it's a, a an appropriate human diet because our human experience that we're living right now it's full of distraction, noise. Yes. Even if you watch TV or Netflix or even any infomercial, you you'll see the. Um, the clips change every five seconds because it's to keep you engaged. And therefore, if you were to sit and read a book or even have some space, you just can't do it because you feel so uncomfortable. But the reason for that is because we're being trained in our environment to be so hyper-distracted, such a noisy environment, although there's no noise that you can hear, there's so much noise, it's intoxicating. And even from a disease point of view, yes, food matters, but even your environment, the way that you think, the way that your energy is, is important as well. It's a holistic point of view and carnivore extends upon all that. Again, with a simple living, with the retracting back from all these things that we don't need, getting out in nature, even a lot of carnivores, I don't think they go to the gym like per se and do an actual workout. It's more about moving your body in a primal, ancestral, appropriate way, which is as I teach these large pattern movements, squatting, lunging, pushing and pulling, but these large movements that are going to create strength overall. I love how you said that because I think I, I don't, Actually, I know I did Orange Theory, so I did do the actual exercise and stuff, but I'm more about movement. Yes. When I do my karate and jujitsu, it's because I get to move. I get to see what my body is capable of doing and how it moves. But when you get caught up into a gym mentality, it's almost mechanistic, not really human. Does that make sense? Um, yes. So I even teach around the labels and terms. So when you say exercise, it elicits a thought in your brain around what that means. That means that you're going, jumping up and down, doing some movement and exercise, and then you leave. No, being humans is I'm standing right now. So I have a standing desk. I'll walk. I will lift Mm -hmm. heavy things. Maybe I might get a dumbbell or a weight and do a squat or any large pattern movement. But as you said, that's the way that humans need to be moving. And it should be. It should be pleasurable. It should be because what what it is, is that you're in the present. When I do my karate and jujitsu, that's one of the things my sensei always says. Don't just punch out there in thin air. Focus on it be present, see every single punch that you're doing, or else you're just wasting your time. 
And that's absolutely what it's about. So it's not so much just enjoying it, but being in the presence of that time. And I, I love that. I've learned so much from that. Now I have a long way to go uh, learning, you know, killing off old habits in the years that I've built it, you know, so it's, it's uh, by, by every mean, I have a lot of uh, work to do. If you Absolutely. think about the endless amount of learning and the things that we just don't know around what's out there in the world, what we can see or experience. And I think we're always learning and always just trying to improve. And that's, yes. that's what brings us um joy what keeps us in the present to say how could i do this better how could i or even to think how could i've done that better i even think a little a, a little bit before this because you know i i was literally half dead before i got into carnivore there is no capability of joy when you have so much pain so much noise going in your body. So one of the things that got me to be able to even get where I'm at now was because I don't want to say my body healed because of carnivore. That may be a stretch because I still feel some little things, but it really did. I mean, my plantar is no longer just uh, my 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 diverticulitis. I feel I feel like it's still there, but it's not. Um, it's it's not pain. You know what I mean. It's not enough to distract me from my want to be in the present. Before I didn't want to be in the present. You know why? Because the present was pain. Mm. What's 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 good about the present? I want to be in the future, past. I want to get distracted because I don't want to think about the pain that I'm in. Yes. There's a difference. So Raymond, how can people find you and get your words of wisdom and your coaching? The best way is through the steak and, better, uh, steak and butter gal the challenge, the steak and butter gang. And hopefully you'll put the links down there. But yes, all can, the links are going to be there. <laughs> yes, you can Facebook me. You can uh, DM me on uh, Instagram. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, Raymond.